one of the great strengths of prayerful tradition and liturgical worship in general is the lectionary. The table of readings in the back of the prayer book that tells us what we are to read and when. Lectionary is really a protection for you because it prevents the preacher from getting on his favorite hobby horse. We all have one. And ensures that you get a well-rounded diet of scripture. I mean, if it was up to me, you would get a sermon on our lady of the Eucharist every Sunday. But it's not to be that way. You get the bits of the Bible that are important and downside rather than the bits that I keep on. Now that being said, one of the weaknesses of the lectionary is that in breaking up the scripture into manageable bites, we sometimes lose the big picture, the context, the overarching framework, the meta-narrative. Today, I want to step back just a little bit and get a big picture of the last few weeks. First, we celebrated the birth of our Lord, and then last Sunday, the epiphany of our Lord, and today, the baptism of our Lord. And I want to tie those into one neat package and hopefully put a bow on the top. Now really, when you boil everything down, there are two theological frameworks, only two. And all of the world's theologies and all of the world's philosophies fit into one or the other of these. The first is a bottom-up theology, a human-centered theology, where somehow man, male and female man, must get to God by their own efforts. The ancient Greeks, for instance, believed that in contemplating the gods, one might attain to virtue. Or in Eastern religions, where one follows the Eightfold Path of the Buddha to receive enlightenment. Those are ancient. And then more recently, we have the idea espoused by the psychologism of self-help books, where one can follow out a carefully laid program of improvement to attain perfection. Or the do-goodism of false Christianity, where one does works to earn salvation. The truth, of course, is that we cannot lift ourselves by the loads of our own ears. And deep down, we know that barbarism is not something behind us, but rather something in us. Thinking people know that a beast dwells within us, and that at any moment he might break loose. We have met the enemies, the saying goes, and he is us. The second is a top-down, God-centered theology where somehow God comes down to man. God takes the initiative and loves us first, and we respond in love. 
at some point in the development of a child, for instance. A child becomes aware that his mother loves him. It's not that the mother's love began at the moment of the child's realization, but rather the love was there all along. That is why, incidentally, we don't often realize how much our parents loved us until we ourselves have children. In any case, true religion is our response to God's initiative. And this top-down model is written into the created order. The created order is organized in a hierarchy. First chemicals, then plants, then animals, then human beings. God, of course, is not part of the created order. He is the creator upward, and he is above and distinct from his creation. And the late Bishop Fulton Sheen noted that running through the created order is this law that nothing ever mounts to a higher level of being unless the higher comes down to it. Very smart, Bishop Sheep. Chemicals, phosphates, hydrogen, oxygen, and so on. If they are to become living things, the plant must come down to them, must descend to them. And if the plant could talk, it would say, unless you die to yourself, you cannot become part of my plant kingdom. If you die to yourself, you will find yourself a living thing. And the plants, if they are to come up higher, the animal must come down to the plant and say, unless you die to yourself, Unless you are uprooted from the earth, unless you are ground by the teeth of beasts, you cannot be part of my animal kingdom. If you will surrender your lower existence, you will not only be a living thing, you will be a sentient thing. You will see and hear and touch and move. And the animal, to be uplifted, Man must come down and say to the animal, be part of me. Die to your lower existence. Submit to the fire of the knife, and you will become a thinking, rational creature who can appreciate art and music and science and philosophy. We are all agreed, I think, that this is the way the created order works. But does it stop there? Do chemicals have a right to say, there's no life beyond me? Do plants have a right to say, there is no life above me? Do animals? Does man? There is a higher life above us, and that we call God. And if we are to have that higher life, if we are to be lifted up, God in some way must come down. And that
that's what Christmas is all about. At Bethlehem of Judea, in the silent watches of the night, the eternal word of God leapt down from heaven and became flesh. Writing in the fourth century, St. Athanasius puts it this way, God became man in order that men might become as God. God became a human being in order that you and I might become children of God, not by right of nature like Jesus, who's the only God, Son of God, but sons and daughters of God, no less, by adoption and grace. Which brings us to baptism, the bow on the top of the package. And let me be crystal clear. Baptism is something that God does to us in order that we might be regenerated or born again by water and the Spirit. Which is why we baptize not only adults, not only children, but also infants. Baptism and all the sacraments for that matter are not something we do to God. That would be that discredited, sub-Christian, man-centered, bottom-up theology of which I first spoke. The efficacy of baptism depends not on our emotions, not on our attaining a certain level of maturity, not on our acquiring a certain level of knowledge, but on the objective action of God. God comes down. The Eucharist, use another example. Is the true body and blood of Christ not because we objectively feel or sense it to be so, but because God has said objectively it is so? A priest is not an icon of Christ because he is or is not a good preacher, or is or is not a skilled pastor or because you do or do not like him, but because of the sacrament of holy order, God has made him such, such despite all his human failures and weaknesses. You get the point. The sacraments are top-down, God-centered. God takes the initiative, we respond. And if we are to have the abundant life that Jesus promises us, if we are to be lifted up on high with him, God must come down. And it is through baptism that we are adopted <coughs> as God's children. Now, if we were to randomly go out on the street and take a hundred people, Christians, mind, and ask them how they are saved, what the mechanics of salvation are, <coughs> you get various answers. <coughs> Some people would say, when you invite Jesus into your heart. Others might say, when you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. I suppose those answers are true enough as far as they go. But they are not sufficient. They are not sufficient because they are subjective. We need to say more. We need to say that we are saved in, with, and through 
Christ, by putting on Christ. St. Paul says, as many of you who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ like a garment. Or to put it another way, we are saved by being put into Christ at baptism. What happens to him happens to us. In the waters of baptism, we are buried with Christ into his death. By it, we share his resurrection. Through it, we are reborn by the Holy Spirit. And that is the magnitude of that sacrament. God the Father reaches down and raises mere humans from the level of nature to the level of supernature, adopting them as his sons and daughters. And he says at the font, just as he said at the River Jordan, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. With you, I am 